Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. making your way um, back to your seats and getting situated. Uh, we're continuing in our series on evangelism. And uh, I'm going to do a quick recap of what we talked about last week, just so we're uh, all on the same page. Because last week we started by talking about the definition of evangelism, which may be a little bit different than what most people are experienced uh, or have been told. We're going by what the Bible describes it as, not by what the dictionary defines it as or what anyone else. We're just going by what we see in the Word of God. Okay, so, um, excuse me, evangelism, it's one of three things. It's either sharing about Christ. So, like, yes, I believe Jesus is real. Uh, I believe he was fully God, fully man. Uh, I believe he came down and, and died for our sins. Or sharing the gospel of Christ, which is that, you know, he atoned for our sins, or as 1 Corinthians puts it, uh, that he died according to the scriptures, was buried according to the scriptures, and then rose from the dead according to the scriptures to pay the penalty for our sins and was witnessed and seen by uh, I list a bunch of the names of the apostles, and then it says up to 500 people. Uh, most of us aren't going to share that gospel theological version we're just going to tell, yeah, I believe Jesus is real. Or we're going to say, here's what God has done in my life. If you're talking to someone and you're saying, here's what God has done for me, technically and biblically, that is evangelism. And that's really all God asks us to do, is to be willing to share, here's what God has done in my life. But there's a lot of things that evangelism isn't, right? And we talked about a lot of that last week. Um because we said evangelism is really easy, but because of the things that we've been told, like that you have to lead someone to prayer and pray with them, and if you don't do that, that's not evangelism. At least I was told that. Other people have been told that. That's great if you're able to do that. Most of us aren't going to do that. Most of us are just going to either tell people about you know, Jesus or, or, or tell people, here's what God has done in my life. So what I wanted to do with the series was make evangelism really easy, like a three-step process, not to take away from what the Bible says, but to make it easy so that we end up doing it more, right? So uh, the first step, as we said, it has to be prayer-led. It needs to be led by the Holy Spirit, because if it's not prayer-led, we end up telling people more about us than we do about Jesus. And again, evangelism is not about us. It's about Jesus. Everywhere you look in the Bible where they're talking about evangelism or someone is using that word, it's all about Jesus, not about us, which also includes it's not about our denominations or getting people into our buildings or inviting people to the Sunday celebration. If you do that, that's just being a good Christian. Feel free to do that. But evangelism is more about inviting people into God's kingdom. It's not about, hey, can I get you to come with me on Sunday? It's about, hey, I want to tell you about God because I want you to be with me for all eternity. That's really what evangelism is about. And also, it's not really optional. It's a biblical mandate that God puts on every Christian. 
But the problem is, we've been told it's this all these other things, so we think the pastor has to do it, or a professional minister has to do it, or someone else has to do it, right? But here's the thing, it, it, it really is um, so easy. And most of us, if, if, if we just take these three steps, we'll do it every day. And it's not like, hey, uh, someone's looking and evaluating, did you do it right? But if we are just focused on the part, which we can all do, just sharing, here's what God has done for me, it becomes really, really easy. Because again, first thing, constantly be praying. God, because we don't want to be the people that's beating people over the head with the Bible, right? And we don't want to be the people that sounds like we're trying to cattle people into a building, into the Sunday celebration. So that's why we need to be, one, prayer-led. We're going to talk more about why it needs to be prayer-led in a minute. But it also, if we're going to tell people what God has done in our lives, sometimes, most of the time, it's going to be the good thing. Look at what God has done. God has blessed me. You know, God has done this for me. God has done that for me. Sometimes it has to be the bad stuff. And I know most of you guys are not on TikTok, but one of the reasons I ended up on TikTok is because of all the people that were sharing, here's the bad stuff in my life that God brought me out of. Alcoholics. Uh, there are people who are sharing the gospel in these little short videos that have two, three, four hundred thousand followers because they're like, hey, I used to be a drug addict. I spent X number of years in prison. I did this and I did that. But here is how God changed me. There are people who are talking about their same sex issues, their other sexual issues. Here is how God brought me out of that. There are people who claim to be, and it's not for me to judge or investigate, claimed that they were witches. They used to practice witchcraft. And now they are denouncing it because they're saying, hey, God brought me out of that. He delivered me from that. And granted, some of them are sharing some really personal stuff, but if we're going to tell people, hey, here's what God has done in my life, we got to be willing to share the good and the bad stuff that I did that God brought me out of. And that's another reason why prayer is so important. Because sometimes we might not want to share or we might go all the other way and overshare and scare some people away. But if we're praying, hey, you know what, God, uh, let your Holy Spirit lead me in this conversation um, because I might say the wrong thing that might scare someone away, might offend someone. And I, I, I don't know about you, I get plenty of kicks under the table from my wife saying, what did you just say? Why did you say that? Or I get plenty of, in the conversations home, as you know, that never should have come out of your mouth. So this is one of the reasons why we pray. Now, I want to show you this in a practical, biblical, where we see this in the Bible. Puts this in place. So um, I'm going to put, jump through a whole lot of verses in a short amount of time. But if you want to follow along, turn to John chapter 4 in the Gospel of John. And some of you are familiar with this account. It's, uh, it, I think it's labeled the woman by the well, right? Where Jesus goes and he uh, ministers to not just this woman, but this woman, and then a whole town of people, right? So I'm going to put the verses up on screen because I want you to read along with me. I want us to all digest this together, right? So John chapter 4, <coughs> excuse me, starting in verse 4, this is what it said. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me says, now he, meaning Jesus, had to go through Samaria. 
So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now what you're going to see, where it says Jesus had to go through Samaria, Jesus is going to go there, he's going to minister to to this woman, he's going to minister to this town, and then he's going to leave. So the Bible, even though the Apostle John who wrote this, makes it clear, he's like, Jesus had to go to Samaria. The only thing he does is minister to these people. So the only reason he had to go there was to minister to these people. It says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but personally, in my head, as I look this up, I think Jesus planned this whole thing out. They didn't drive, right? They, they, they walked everywhere they went. And they arrived right around noon. Noon just happened to be the time when the women would come out to fill the wells with water. And again, not saying, Bible doesn't tell us this was intentional, but it just worked out. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now, I also think, and again, Bible doesn't tell us, that it was intentional that Jesus suggested, why don't you guys go into town and get some food? Because he's going to spend some personal one-on-one time with this woman, digging into her life, and stuff that she discusses with him, she probably wouldn't if it were him and 11 or 12 of his disciples all hanging around the well. But since it's him one-on-one, it allows her to be a little bit more vulnerable, right? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And what happened was, uh, back when there, there were two nations, uh, the, the southern and northern kingdom of Israel, um, the Assyrians came in and they conquered the northern kingdom, but they left some of the people there in Samaria. And then they sent some of their own people in to kind of live and mix with them. So the Jewish people who got taken away in captivity looked back at the people who stayed there and they were kind of upset with them because they intermarried with other races. So, of course, again, you have the racial difference. Because they're like, well, you're not 100% Jew. You're, you're mixed with all this stuff. So there was that racism. But there was also the cultural, because when they did intermarry, they adopted religious beliefs and customs that were foreign to the Jews. So the Jews, when they looked at Samaria, they were like, hey, we don't even like to walk through that town. We will go around the town out of our way because we want nothing to do with these people. But these are the same people that Jesus said he had to go there for. Right? So Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, the gift of God that he's talking about, many theologians think it's one, salvation, right? Because that's that's what Jesus gives us, uh, and he's going to mention that later. But also, too, they think it's what we talked about previously, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit that is promised to all who come to God. So the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock. Now, we sit on this side of history, so we kind of look at this as funny, at least I do, because here's a woman 
and she doesn't know this is God in the flesh, but who's telling God, hey, do you know that this is a well that Jacob built, and I'm a descendant of Jacob. And it's kind of the same way that we do that today. We say, well, do you know that I've been a, a, a Presbyterian all my life, or a, a Methodist all my life, or a, a Baptist all my life, or I built this building in this church, or I've been a Republican or a Democrat all my life. We cling to these things that we identify with and kind of hold them up to God like it's something. When from God's perspective, it means absolutely nothing. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, the sentence doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but back in that day, water was like life. It was more important than like having a car or, 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 or a job. And if you found stagnant water that, that wasn't moving, like a just a pool of water, you could try to drink from it, but you might get sick or die later. But if you found moving water, running water, you were more likely to live and survive because there was less bacteria in it. And what Jesus is saying, hey, this water that you drink, this, this isn't going to keep you alive. But I can give you water that will not only keep you alive, but will give you eternal life. And he starts to take the conversation in a religious place to break down the walls that she has up about her current identity. Like, I'm a descendant of Jacob, and you Jews think this, but we think that. Right? So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. So she's like, Okay, you're, you're, you're talking about some spiritual stuff. I'm interested. But now, now, and this is why this is why this is key evangelism requires that we're willing to share what God has done in our lives, good and bad. And what Jesus is about to do is dig into her life. He's about to bring up some stuff in her life that she probably wouldn't bring up with a stranger. Most of us wouldn't, right? But that's to break down the walls and say, hey, this thing that you're identifying, your, your current identity about you know, being a descendant of Jacob means absolutely nothing. So he says, go bring your husband. She says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And, and let, me, let me state, this is not about religious legalism. This isn't about marriage and divorce and you're breaking the law. This isn't about you know the guy that you're living with now and sex before marriage. It's not about any of that stuff, because he doesn't condemn her for any of that. This is about her identity being in her relationships with men, and if we read into it a little bit, her promiscuous relationships with men. I mean, Jesus points out, hey, you're right, you don't have a husband, but you've had, and I heard one pastor put it this way, you had five husbands and a whatchamacallit. Whatever you want to call that guy that you're shacking up with now, that you're not willing to commit to, and maybe because of the past five marriages, that you're just going to leave him as a what we call it for the next 12, 14, 22 years. But Jesus is pointing out, hey, 
this this isn't him trying to say, hey, you you know, you about divorce or about sex before marriage. This is him saying, hey, you right now, the truth is, your identity is wrapped up in relationships with men. That's what your identity is wrapped up in. And she said, sir, I can see that you are a prophet, which is her acknowledging, okay, you're right, because she could have just said you're wrong, but she's acknowledging he's a prophet because she's like, only God could have revealed that to you, right? Nobody was texting you. I wasn't posting on Facebook about my previous relationships. So she says, I can see you're a prophet, but then she goes back to her identity. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She goes back to, hey, but I'm a child of Jacob. I'm, 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 I've been on this, my family's been on this mountain for years. We've done it this way for forever, is what she goes back to. Jesus says, woman, a woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, because worshiping God is not about being in a building. It's not about which denomination you're a part of. Right? He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. The salvation he's talking about, he's not trying to get her to commit, to, 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 to cross over and start going to, like, synagogue. Right? He's trying to get her to understand that your identity that you're clinging to and your history is not going to save you. It's not going to help you. It's not going to make a difference to your eternal destiny. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's like, God is the spirit. If you truly want to worship God, then you have to accept the truth, seek him in truth, and accept the truth about who you are and about who he is. And this is what she responds. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So after Jesus reveals that, hey, you know, you have this thing where you're, you're, you're clinging to your history, but your real identity that you're struggling with is your relationship with men. And we're going to see that in a minute. And she says, okay, I'm, I'm interested in this spiritual revelation that you're talking about. And she says, but I'm looking for, I've been told I can look for it in the Messiah, in Christ. And this is why I had a conversation, uh, with a group of, of, of men. I'm a part of a men's Facebook group. There's like, I don't know, 12, 15,000 men in this group. And so some of the, the admins of the group were like, hey, uh, we're kind of struggling with, well, it's a Christian men's group. So can you let other Christians in? And one of the people was like, well, we can't let this type of person in or this denomination or that denomination. And I said, well, what do you think, Floyd? And I said, well, someone's a part of this denomination because someone told them that's how you find God. And someone's a part of this one because someone told them that's how you find God. The question is, do we want to help them find the truth or do we want to exclude them because they believe differently? If we exclude them, they may never find the truth. If we include them, 
and don't condemn them for what they believe, but help guide them towards the truth, we can help. And they were like, hey, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, there were still a bunch of people that they were like, we're not letting these guys in because they're heretics and whatever. And, 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 but the goal is if we just, if we just do what Jesus did and they are willing to have those conversations with people who believe differently, break down the walls in our denominations, like, you know, Methodists don't mix with Presbyterians, Presbyterians don't talk to Lutherans, Lutherans don't hang out with Baptists, all that stuff. It defies what God is trying to do. But back to this. So Jesus says, hey, I the one speaking to you, I'm he, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, I'm the one that you have been looking for. And this is, this is key. This is, I'm going to wrap this up. This is key because this is what she does next. Leaving her water jar, right? The disciples come back. They're talking about food with Jesus. While they're doing that, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. He told her a lot of spiritual stuff. He told her about giving her living water. He told her all of these theological truths. But the thing that she went back and told other people is come look what God has done in my life. She didn't go tell them, hey, I met a guy who said that he's the living water. Even though that's true, that's what he said. She didn't go back and tell and uh, all these other things, all the other conversations. She said, hey, come and meet this person who told me everything I ever did. Now, here's the reality, though, and this, this is the hard part, is that that conversation of come look at someone uh, who told me everything I ever did probably looked different to different people. Right. So when she goes into the town, she's like, hey, come meet this person who tell me everything I ever did. Could this be a Messiah? Right. To so this group over here who knew her, that's probably all she said. You know, hey, 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 I just want to tell you guys, come meet this guy who, who told me everything I ever did. He could be the Messiah. But one of the reasons why it needs to be evangelism needs to be led by prayer. And one of the reasons why we have to be willing to share the bad stuff is because to probably some of these people over here, they stopped her and said, hey, what what exactly did he tell you? And she probably had to share about, he told me about all these bad relationships I've had and how I've been looking for identity in men. And some of the people that probably followed her out of town were women who used to judge her because of all the relationships. Some of the people who followed her out of town were women who were probably just like her. And not to be sexist or anything, and I don't want to leave out the guys, some of the guys that followed her out of town were probably ones who had hit on her and tried to enter into relationships with her. And some of them may have been the exes that she left behind. And some of them were just, oh, I see a crowd going out. I'm going to follow the crowd because, you know, some people do that. But she probably had some detailed conversation with a few people. And there was probably some people that she sought out and said, Hey, uh, Sue, Jan, Sarah, I know you've gone through some of the same stuff that I've gone through. I think he can help you too. 
And if we're willing to share, here's what God has done in my life. This is why we got to pray about it, because sometimes we may not feel like sharing all that stuff, but sometimes we may need to share, hey, here's the dark place that I've been. Here are the stupid things that I've done. Here's the jail time that I did. Here's the bad things that I said, and God brought me through it. And we may need to share that with some people. Because we may be the only people that they'll listen to because they think and say, well, if, if Floyd messed up that bad and God was able to show love and grace to him, maybe he can show it to me too. But they're never going to hear that if we don't go share that. And most of us aren't going to go share that on our own unless we pray about it. But going back to the uh, passage. Meanwhile, and this, this, this doesn't have a whole lot to do with what we're talking about, but it's part of the passage. It's one of my favorites, so I wanted to share it. Uh, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I'm going to read that again. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The reason why I emphasize that is because this is just me venting. I am so tired of people who say, hey, I want to leave your congregation or the church or whatever because I feel like I'm not being fed. You're not being fed because you're not eating. It's not the pastor's job to feed you. Jesus said it's your job to do the will of God. That's how you get fed. Now, we haven't had a bunch of people here that say that, so I don't want anyone to take this personally. No one here has said that to me. But I hear pastors all the time that say, oh, I just had another person leave, another couple leave, another family leave, because they said they're not being fed. And I always ask, where were they serving in your church or in your community? And the answer is usually, they weren't. That's why they weren't being fed. Because they weren't doing what God had called them to do. Okay, back to this rant over. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. This is extremely important. Many of the people believed because of her testimony. Because she went out and said, hey guys, here is what Jesus did for me. That's it. Now, she didn't pray with them and get them to step across the line of faith. She just went to them and said, hey, here's what God has done in my life. Then they went to find Jesus and then they Put the, they believed in him because of his words. This is why it's so important for us to share the gospel. We don't have to like memorize the Bible. We just have to be willing to prayerfully go to people and share, here is what God has done in my life. And if we're willing to do that, then God is willing to honor it. She didn't go and, and, and share about, oh, he's, 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 you know, the living water and all this stuff, all she did was tell people, here is what God has done for me. That's all that God asks us to do, is to go and share 
uh, be willing to share with people, here is what God has done to me. Uh, evangelism, prayer. Pray about it. Pray that God would lead us to people with whom we can share. Here is what God has done in my life. I mean, that's that's really simple. And it may not be that he leads you to someone every day. He may lead you to one person a year, one person a month, some one person next week, and then another opportunity may not appear for months on end, which is why we have to be consistently praying. And I'm an introvert, right? I, I'm going to throw it out there. I don't like talking to people, especially people I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm not used to it. And some of you have seen this. Whenever we do events with other congregations, and it's time for me to get up and speak or do whatever, I am covered in sweat and drenched because I'm nervous and scared, which is why I usually try to talk some of you into being there because then I feel a little bit more comfortable because at least there's someone I know because I don't like talking in front of people. But I also pray this, all right, God, if there's someone, some way, something that I can do to help share your truth. And it's probably been months since I've been able to have a conversation with someone and say, here's what God has done in my life. But I will continue to pray it. And as he leads me to, I will continue to do it. So I'm going to do this. We're going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And earlier we prayed for, you know, our family members, our friends, and all of those people in our circles of influence that we want to come know Jesus because that's important and it's crucial. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, uh, I want to pray for our teachers and our staff and our students. And I'm going to put Beth on the spot since she's a teacher. And I'm going to ask some of the women, can you go and just lay hands on Beth as we pray for our staff and teachers and students? Are you okay with that, Beth? Okay. I should have asked that first, but... All right, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we lift up, first and foremost, we lift up Beth to you. So grateful that she is a part of our congregation. Uh, pray that you would continue to bless her this school year uh, through her family, through her friends, uh, through the students and staff at her school. We pray that you would use her to share the truth of your word uh, as she prayerfully asks you to and bring her into places and circumstances and situations where she is able to share what you have done in her life. And we pray for all of the teachers, all of the students, all of the staff, all of the administration. We pray that you would use them. We pray for the ones that are called by your name and filled with your spirit to be vessels of your truth. That they would share and show the love of Christ as you lead them to, even though it's not mostly acceptable, but as you lead them to, and that you would use them so that they would be powerful vessels of your truth in every school, in every classroom, and to every student. God, we pray that your word would permeate the walls of every school building. And we pray that your people who are called by your name would regularly, consistently be in prayer for the students in our community, for their well-being, for their safety. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. 
We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.